Good. Okay, we are we are off. So when we last left, we were full of hope, full of expectation, full of dreams, oh. full of full of ideas, and now now we're just destroyed. Now Lawrence and I were coming to you today from the Chess Bay Studio, so uh, sitting side by side in the same room for a change. Uh, we did that once once before. Yeah, we have done show. at least once before. I think one time it was even like in a hotel room uh, at the British Championship. Wherever. A past British Championship. So when we last left, our intrepid heroes were setting off to find fortune and... Fortune and fame. In the Northlands of Wales. And instead we just got drunk. It's it's so funny, right? Because it, it literally couldn't have started much worse. I mean, I was out the running for the tournament after four rounds. Yeah. I know the feeling. It was it was so disappointing. I mean, uh, it was. Loz, we. I mean, the first round started well. Um, yep. I managed to beat uh, Gwen Jones's girlfriend Sue, so I was very happy yep. about that. But after that, Loz, we were. It just got worse and worse. It was just like a nightmare, wasn't it? What happened? What did yeah. we do wrong? A combination of playing below par and getting a bit unlucky with players who played above their level. Basically, I mean, my games two and three. I lost to Charlie's story in a game where I just wanted to crush him and he just defended and he found two or three solid computer moves and I was just lost. Uh, and then the next game, that was an utter disaster against the young Chinese player who just basically destroyed me. I played way too passive. She just easily beat me. And then the following game after that, I couldn't even beat my opponent who was a good 500 points below me with the white pieces. You know what? I mean, I've, I think I had a very similar experience to you, Loz, because obviously we we both played a tournament for the British. I, I played the 150-year yeah. anniversary of the Dundee Chess Club. And this was a grandmaster all-play-all. There were eight grandmasters and two international masters playing. And I came second and tiebreak there. Um, I did all right. I got like plus two and playing Grandmasters most rounds there. And uh, I found in Dundee that these players at 2,400 plus were playing a lot worse than the 2,100s I was playing in every round of the British. I don't know what was happening. The 20, the Grandmasters were playing a lot. These 2,100s I faced at the British, yeah. I had about four or five rounds where I looked at the games of the computer afterwards they weren't making mistakes. They were playing good moves. I couldn't break them down. It was just, they were good. They were good players. It was weird. It's kind of a sign of the times, because we've spoken about this, the general level of people, even in the 2000 to 2200 mark, is, is much higher than it was 15, 20 years ago. Uh, their general understanding, their preparation in the opening... So actually, rather than an inflation in ratings, I know you and I are of the belief that there's been a deflation. Definitely. There's actually... Totally agree. Among amateurs. Among amateurs. Among amateurs. Yeah. I mean, I there's totally actually, agree. Totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I... I this group of players... Mm. I mean, I even was checking out the, uh, the Abu Dhabi Masters and the RTU Open that just took place in Latvia. The number of games in the first round of 2100s holding or even beating 2450s, 2500s. You're just seeing it every tournament now. And in the first round, it just didn't used to be like that. No. These guys were just getting slaughtered. 
I remember when I would just go in confidently to a game 10, 15 years ago against Twitter. I just never drop points against these guys. No. And now I do. Well, I, I mean, I totally agree, Lars. I mean, I think in the last 15 years, I mean, if I go back 15 years, I was kind of grandmaster sort of strength around there or I am strength. And uh, I go in a tournament playing 2100s. And this was when computers were just starting to become very good. Chess pace was just coming out and get into the swing of things. But I play 2100s. I'd be able to play the same openings every round. I would never lose to a 2100. I'd always beat them. They would be quite weak. Nowadays, you go into an open, you play a 2100. They can know 20, 30 moves of theory. They're sharp. Yeah. They know lots of different openings. And they just play so much better. So I totally agree. Mm. Low, lower down, they're just stronger. Yeah. Players are stronger There's been a deflation. 100%. That's not to excuse our performance because we still, we play still crap. played sub. Yeah, we, yeah, we still played subpar. Let's use the politician's term. We played suboptimally. You know, we, we, did, we, we didn't play our best chess. Look, mate, we, we can blame it on everyone else, but at the end of the day, we played like turnips. Yeah, we did play like turnips. But we had a good time, didn't we? We had a good time, loss. Yeah. You know what I told you at the incident of one? I said, I just cannot accept this result. So... I'm playing the Barcelona Open. Okay, good luck, mate. Watch out for Pragananda. Yeah, I know he's over there. I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about the 2100s. I like playing the Ohio guys. That's the only guys I play well against are sometimes are the higher-rated guys. Yeah. Uh, but I've just decided it's it's time to bounce back immediately. And I've done so much preparation during this tournament. I've got so much work and so many ideas that I just want to let loose now and uh, get some Strike stuff Strike while out the iron is hot. Yeah. Strike while the iron's hot, yeah. and maybe just save some face because there was a point during the British where I was verging on going below twenty four hundred. Oh, you know what, Loz? I haven't even looked at how many points I lost at the British because I felt sick enough after the tournament, and mm. I don't want to spew anymore. I mean, it's just one of those tournaments, you know, where you're hemorrhaging, you know, rating points. Yeah. And um, I mean, you got to look on. We got to look on the good side. I mean, the good thing about the British, I think, is you know we did have some good nights out. There's lots of friends we there. You know, we weren't yeah. we weren't drinking a lot. But that's that wasn't no. the effect when you're losing. But when you've had a bad loss, it's good to meet up with your mates and have a nice bottle of wine. That is and, true. Uh, at least at least we did that. We did, and we had some good food. And then we it was socially speaking, it was one of the better Britishes yeah. in recent times. Even though we are way past our mad days of clubbing and this kind of stuff. I remember when we walked past a few of those clubs, <laughs> we just couldn't bear the thought of even going oh, inside them. I'm, well, and I might know, I know you might have... I, I might have ended up in a couple, visited but not one. as many as I have done in the past. Yeah. I mean, I remember <laughs> one British Loz when uh, this was in, I think it was in Scarborough, Scum, like 2002 or something like, I don't know. Yeah. And I was sharing a room with the one and only John Naylor, you know, and oh, um, yeah. we had out of the 13 nights we were there, we went clubbing 13 nights. <laughs> so, and you know, each night till three, four o'clock in the morning. So, I, I mean, if I did that now, I'd be dead. So, but those were the days where, like, you didn't have to be worried about coming to the board the next day and your opponent is just just sort of been cooking up this beautiful <laughs> line against you yeah you just you just can't turn up and play chess properly that's right know? yeah you can't so. you know those days you could you could just roll up and play this is why i'm a little worried about you simon for the uh, chess boxing uh coming up no but he no. would be in good shape i'm gonna I, i'm gonna be i'm gonna be in simon's corner i've got it well 
I have to say, the last month, four weeks of chess, I mean, I, I'm well out of shape. And oh, this, this chess boxing might have to go on hold for a little bit. I mean, I'm going yeah. to need a bit of time to get in shape. Can we we'll just leave it at that? I've put on a, a couple of pounds. I have really been training. But, Tell um, me about it. It may be in the future. Maybe in the future, Macaulay, but it's not going to happen for the immediate future. Well, it wasn't going to be till for a while yet, like next year anyway, right? That's right. Yeah, we'll have to see with that one. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it lingering. Maybe if we can get Ben Feingold involved, then I'll, I'll fast forward it, you know, possibly. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's coming up in October. We'll definitely uh, talk about that that match, preview that match coming up on another show. But let's let's talk for a minute just about the the four players who, who mm. did reach a playoff and yeah, yeah and how, how the British actually went down. Yeah. So Craig Hanley Craig is... Was, I mean, John was good, but Craig was really the hero, wasn't he? Craig was the hero. I mean, Craig... It was an interesting one because his first four games were pretty abysmal. He was lost a couple of times. He was in worse positions. And he kind of just weathered the storm. And then he played some really great games. I, don't you think, Lars, you need the run of the green in chess? I mean, you do. I, I think Absolutely. people say there's no luck, but you, you do need your opponents to help you out in these big opens. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I actually find players who have a bad couple of rounds but still get to like two and a half out three, three out three. They're the guys who normally do really well because they've had yeah. the bad luck. They get it out of the way and they they persist. They go on onwards. But I mean, all credit to Craig. All credit. Yeah, to all Craig. credit to him. He played. He played great in general. He did. Um, he hasn't played chess for six, even, seven years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's, he's I mean, a God. air traffic controller. Really lovely guy. He comes <laughs> back. This is what I need to do. I need to have a six, seven year break and I'll be strong again. <laughs> I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna it do. You be. keep playing. I'm gonna have a break. And we already know that you actually uh, were in the running for an air traffic controller job, right? It's one of the only job interviews I actually went to was to become an air traffic controller. And thank the skies, I did not become one. I'm so say. happy the you're skies, not an air traffic you. controller. <laughs> I couldn't think of a worse person as an air traffic controller. <laughs> oh, cheers, mate. You know how stringent they are with their stuff. You're not allowed to drink. If they, they do tests like every day you're there, if you've got 0.5% of alcohol in your body, you can get arrested, you can be put in prison. You've got all these weird shifts. Hey, give me some credit. Let's let's think about this for a second. I mean, it's basically like a commentary job. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's he's got the assertive commentator voice and he's basically yeah. just providing commentary on what's going on in the sky. I yeah. know, and I never drink during any commentary jobs, do I? Ever. Uh, no, absolutely not. <clears throat> I mean, you have to keep a calm voice, right? If there's something really happening... Oh, yeah. so we've got, uh, we've got a plane approaching at your right side. Straight towards uh, uh, the ground. Straight towards it. Quickly. <laughs> yeah. You are <laughs> nose diving into the air. Do uh, not fear. You know the well, funny now we're making fun of air traffic controllers. Back to Craig Hanley. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I have to say one more thing about this. The reason I didn't get the job, it was quite funny. Um, I spoke to Craig because he was already in air traffic control before going into the interview. And I said, well, you know, what do I need to do? What did you have to do? And he said, oh, you don't have to know any information about the planes or anything. You're going to get given these tests, spatial kind of tests. But he said, don't learn any information about, you know, the distance of planes when they come into land and stuff like that. As soon as I got into the test, the first two hours was at what altitude does the plane, you know, it was all these questions I didn't, I didn't study, but um, that's why I didn't pass. It was Craig's fault, but I still love him. I still. But love he him. probably thought, oh God, if Simon becomes it, we're all doomed. He's going to be, you know, the, the <laughs> cause it. of thousands of deaths. So he just 
gave you the wrong info. I know. Well, he's he's abs- he's lovely. He's guy, a great he? guy. Great I guy. know Craig very well because we went to the same university. Oh, he was the guy who got me up to Lancaster, yep. convinced me to go, which I was very happy about. And uh, so I was good friends with Craig. Saw him a lot around campus. And yeah, he's living he's living uh, this civilian life of a normal job and uh, doing really well and he was just very relaxed one thing i would say about craig is he looked extremely calm in the high pressure moments you know what Loz, this is another place. thing that in the british there's a lot of pressure it was good prize money yep a lot of the professionals playing in the british they really need the money yeah you know like one thousand two thousand pounds they can get from rating prizes will make a, a substantial difference to their lives but yeah Air traffic controllers, like, you know, get a full-time job, they get paid well. 1,200, you know, 1,000, 2,000 pounds doesn't make much of a difference to no. them, so you're going to be more relaxed. I mean, that's not taking anything away from Craig because he hasn't played for, like, seven years, but the pressure's much greater, I think, for professionals. I agree. And he got to the final, uh, which is, you know, fantastic, uh, but he was always underdog against the trio who were really billed as the favourites for the tournament, Luke McShane, David Howe, Gawain Jones. And, um, yeah, we got to a final, Luke versus Gawain. And what impressed me most about Gawain was just how resourceful he is. He really is the most resourceful player I- in England. He finds ways to muddy the waters or complicate matters when, you know, he's on the back foot. And uh, he did that, especially in game two against Luke in the final. The way he managed to generate some some defence there was... Do, do, do you want to tell everyone, Loz, where, where we were watching this and what was going on during this match? Well, we had a little... Yeah, we had a little wager on the final, as we do. A little friendly wager. I, I gave some people a price to take Luke because... Um, I think it was you and uh, Danny Gormali, Grandmaster Danny Gormali, felt like it was it was to be. Luke had never won the British Championship, the strongest player, never to have won the British Championship. Incredibly, Luke Machine has never won the British. This was his year, and I said, Sai, Danny, if it's his year, so be it. I'm willing to give you a price, and you can bet on Luke winning. And they took the offer. And there was a moment, I have to admit, after Luke crushed David 2-0 in the first of the playoffs, I thought, there we go, another loss. But somehow it wasn't meant to be for Luke. It's quite surprising. Yeah, I I mean, I think, I mean, no offence to Craig. I mean, the other three are are a different level to him. And I think that's fair. They're professionals. They're a couple hundred points higher. All all three of those are really different class than I think most of the other players in the tournament, really. Uh, Luke, uh, David, and uh, you know Gawain, and really, mm. I, I would say any of those three could have won this on any day. They're all three of them are brilliant players, and it's just Gawain seemed to keep his nerves. Like you said, he's very resourceful, and he came through with the goods. And you know, he's a very deserved British champion. And unlucky to the other two players, but you know, they are still great players. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I, I hope Luke plays again next year if he can find the time. Yeah, I still feel like he's due a win. I mean, Luke McShane, the prodigy. He really is the prodigy of English chess. He was the poster boy along, well, well, I suppose along with Nigel and Mickey to an extent, but 
certainly when I think of Prodigy, I think of Luke. He was so talented, wasn't he? I think he was an IM at 11 or 10 years old. I mean, I know he's well, I think he's World Under 8 champion. And when he, yeah. when he won the World Under 8 championships, he's the same age group as Leveronian. Right. So he actually came above Leveronian in, in that and maybe some other world championships. He, the thing with Luke, he's been billed as the strongest amateur chess player because people have to remember, I mean, he, he's not really professional. He used to have a job at Goldman Sachs selling his soul for a bit of cash, but we won't go there too much. And um, he, he, he he's not a professional player. So he, he's been over 2,700 and he just has this very, you know, natural, one of the most natural chess players you ever see. And he reminds me of Mickey Adams. Him and Mickey seem to play in a very similar way, which is just, you know, something special. There's something special about their play, which not anyone can, you know, copy. You have to have some natural talent to play like these two players. So in the end, it was Gawain repeating. What will be interesting with Gawain is how he fares in the Vikan Z tournament, the Tata Steel. Because be he won, group. he'll be in the A group. He won the B group. Great performance this year. He'll be in the A group facing all of these guys. And we'll basically see how he fares because his style of chess against players of a similar level and much lower, obviously, talking about 24, 24, he's brutal because we can't deal with his uh, trickiness and uh, his calculation is superior. But at the top level, we'll see if he he manages to survive. It'll be very interesting to see how he performs there. But he's had a great year in general. I've always been a big fan of Gawain. I still feel like he needs to make serious improvements in certain parts of his game if he's going to really be a 2700 player and stable because there's only so much you can do with the style he has. So he's going to have to be a bit more rounded. But if he achieves that, he's got the talent to to be a, a regular top 40 to a 30, top 30 player. Still young enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's a great player. And uh, yeah, I was going to say the same about, you know, David Howell was the top seed. Was, you know, look, we haven't mentioned him as yep. much. He's, he's over 2700. I think he kept his rating. He did. And I think, you know, David's an exceptional player. He, he's the World Cups before Wake and Z where both Gwaine and David are playing. I think David or Gwaine, one of them's got a very tricky first round pairing against Arian Tarry from um, Norway. But Yeah, that's, that's David, David, I believe. I mean, that's a real challenge in the first round. But I, I'm very interested to see how they get on the World it Cup. It is and it isn't. I mean, David's still favourite. Of course, he's favourite. Uh, Gawain has also got a tricky he's pairing. He's got a Peruvian hasn't he? kid. Peruvian, that's right. He's, he's got Jorge. Yeah, that's not Corey. a walkover at all. Yeah, another tough one. Yeah, it'd be great to see them make a, a real deep run in the, in the World Cup. One of these guys, that'd be great. So this was the hundred and fourth British. Yeah. Uh, you've had a chance to visit the U.S. Championship. Yeah. When you were working with Fabiano. Yeah. I uh, had had produced the commentary there for for four or five years. Um, what do you see as the comparison, or what? How, how does the British Championship as an event uh, these days compare to the U.S. Championship? What was the venue like? Um, you know. Well, the there is no comparison, unfortunately, and that's kind of a very sad state of affairs. Um, we have to say a big thanks, actually, to the sponsor of the British Championships, Capital Developments Waterloo Limited, because without them, the prize fund would have been negligible. And uh, it actually was decently funded this year, like it used to be. And we were talking about Scarborough before, so I, I remember back in 99, 2000, 2001, when it was Smith and Williamson. Yeah, it was big money. 
And this year, finally, we had 10,000 again. Because to play for 5,000 or 3,000, it's just not really acceptable for the British Championship. Talking about it in comparison with the US Championship, from a funding level, there's just there's just no comparison. The, the US guys, they're getting you know huge amounts of money to play. And also, there's a separate women's tournament where they get a huge amount of money if they win. I think Irina... Or Sabina won 40,000? 25,000. 25,000. Okay, even that is just, well, it's over double what the main prize is. So from a sort of experience point of view, playing conditions and that kind of stuff, I have to say this year was very disappointing in the British. I felt like, like, well, just little things. Like we were playing on tables that was so small. You could barely fit the set on it. You couldn't put your elbows on it. You couldn't put your elbows on the table. Now, a lot of people like me, I like to rest when I'm playing my game with, you know, elbows on the table, my chin nestling in my fists and knuckles. I couldn't do that. So they're too narrow, in other words. They were, they were too narrow. They were just too small. So I was kind of hugging myself playing. So it wasn't comfortable to play. The other thing that really was, for me, very disappointing was... The fact that, you know, there was no video coverage. There's fantastic production over in the US, obviously. How we can't have our British championships on video is it's just outrageous to me. Can, can I, I just want to comment on that as well, because the thing that I found amazing about that, Lawrence, was um, the year before uh, in uh, Bournemouth, yeah. they put out, um, they sent out an email to the English Chess Federation asking for people to put in a tender to do the commentary at the British Championships. And Andrew Martin, who's a great commentator, don't, don't take any way, anything away from me. He's done it for 20 years, got nothing against his commentary whatsoever, is great. But me and Adam Hunt put in a tender and we said, look, if we, we'd do it for a very good price. And we said, if you let us do the, the commentary, we can get it on chess.com, which will open it up to like half a million viewers, possibly. I can do all the streaming myself as I do. You won't need to do anything so we can stream it to a live audience. We can set that up. So basically, we can make a very professional job for a very good price for the two of us. They said no. There wasn't any. Co there wasn't any good commentary. Well, I mean, there was a bit. Okay, I think uh, you know, Chess Twenty Four did a bit, but actually having it there. Yeah, I think I did it actually. <laughs> and they had that possibility this year. I mean, I know you guys did it Chess Base, and it was really good at Chess Base. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong. But actually having commentary there, where you can get the players in for a very small fee, very easy to set up. You know, is something that they just they just said no. We don't want to do that. And it's like, well, why don't you? We just, why, yeah. why? We should point out Andrew Martin was there. Yeah. But he was doing a commentary for a live audience. It was a very small audience, like 20 people in there. It was, it was pretty redundant, to be honest, to have a tiny room. And yeah. There were other things that were missing, like an analysis room. You didn't have an analysis. It's crazy. You couldn't analyse anywhere. They didn't have a proper <laughs> analysis room. They didn't have chairs. No, it, it was just an, it was, abysmal. The whole layout was, was abysmal. Crap and you know the other thing that really annoyed me is that normally at the British Championships they have posters of this town in the towns same with the British there was no marketing for the event it was just like nobody knew what was going on it was just disgraceful well you know i'm i'm hoping i mean you know i know a lot of people do give up their time to run this but there needs to be some changes. And uh, I know some other people are interested in running the British Championships. I think that people have got to look into this because if you want to keep these generous sponsors, like people like Capital Developments, Waterloo, yeah. who uh, come from the Liverpool region, if you want to keep these sponsors, you've got to offer them something back. You can't offer them some crap, you know, amateur show 
which people just don't seem to care about, it's got it off them. And again, other small things, Loz, I, it was from, it, I found it really hot in there, it was very hot. even though they had air conditioning. This was quite funny. In the last round, uh, I was play I lost my last round. And afterwards, my opponent, we went to analyze Richard Palliser, and he said he didn't sit down for the first 10 minutes because he said he, he went up to the, the arbiter and he said, uh, look, it's too hot in here to play. Can you turn, can you put the air conditioner on? And the, the arbiter says, oh, sorry, is it too cold in here? not having a clue. And he said, no, no, it's too warm. Can you put it on? So the arbiter put it on for about 10 minutes. And I didn't realize half an hour later, I went to the arbiter separately and said, can you put the air conditioning on? And they're like, oh no, we just turned, you know, well, no, we're not sure. The arbiters get, you know, the arbiters get big. It's just ridiculous. They don't do what the players want to do. And <laughs> even, even things like water, it took them like five rounds to have water available for the players. Yeah. I mean, I used to play tournaments, weekend tournaments that were that were better equipped than this British Championships. It was really, really poor. Were it not for the social side being so good, it would have been a really miserable tournament. Definitely. And they've got a lot of changes to make if they're going to make this even in three leagues below the US Championship. Because the US Championship, you've just got everything. You've got the place, you've got the side events. What happened to all the great side events of the British? There used to be this great cricket game. There used to be the rapid play and the blitz and all of these things. I know there was a rapid play tournament, but if you played the main British, you couldn't play that. The only positive thing I suppose they've done is they've shortened the tournament in order to attract more people who can just play, uh, just miss a week off work. So that's, you know, that's perhaps a positive development. I know it's not great for the professional players, but for other players... I, know, I mean, I mean, the positives, okay, we talked a lot about the negatives. I do want to just say a couple of things to people who were doing a great job there because yeah. there were things that they need to take away. And I must say a big shout-out to Phil Makepeace, who they got to do the social yeah. media there. And I know he was working on his own. He's doing an impossible task, but he was doing Twitter stuff. He's putting stuff up, reports on YouTube. And this is what they need to do going forward. So it's unbelievable I don't support people like that more. It's one guy struggling on his own to do everything. But, you know, why don't they give this guy more money or why don't they try to concentrate on that big audience of literally hundreds of thousands of people you can get online, you know, by covering it online or let's say at least tens of thousands, you know. And they just don't seem to care about all that potential market. And that's what you need to get sponsorship now for any tournament like they do in the US, like they do anywhere. Mm. But there are, you know, Phil Makepeace did a great job. Uh, I know like Matt Carr, uh, you know, one of the organ you know, yeah. one of the guys there did a great job. The DGT yeah. guys did a great job. They did the best they could. But uh, as you say, it's let down by some other problems that are going on there. And I don't know who's responsible for this, but it obviously can't go on the way it is. Yeah, I mean, last year, I know we, we did the commentary at, at Chess24 because basically we could do it inexpensively. They had very little budget set aside. Um, this year, the issue was that the venue didn't have the internet infrastructure to support an on-site webcast, Crazy. which is why they had uh, Andrew Martin doing it locally uh, just for the live audience, although I agree that is a bit redundant. But surely, Macaulay, there's ways around that, isn't there? Yeah, well, I had uh, proposed to do some on-site commentary there with video and so on this year, but uh, but in the end, they, they preferred to have the remote commentary, so mm -hmm. that's how we ended up doing it. 
uh, from chess base. But uh, yeah, absolutely. In this day and age, uh, it's far preferable to be able to do uh, commentary with video of the players from from on site at the venue. And when you're selecting a venue, you should definitely make sure that it has a good internet connection. Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. That's part of it. I mean, it's craziness, isn't it? It's just absolutely crazy. And t- yeah, I mean, to your question, is there another way around it? Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, maybe there would be some way to source some kind of mobile internet connection uh, uh, separately. Um, but you know, as it was also, a, a, I'm sure, a question of the budget, and I think maybe they uh, were just not not setting enough aside, not allocating enough for the web presentation um, to uh, to really even uh, consider doing yeah, doing I'm, something on site. But yeah, I mean that that's certainly not ideal. And if you can plan to be able to do it properly, it's uh, it's certainly worth doing for for a tournament of the caliber and the history of the British Championship. Yeah, of course. I mean, the thing is nowadays, which people have to realize, they have to basically wake up to the times and, uh, you know, coverage, commentary, should we say, via the internet is probably the most important thing for a tournament to get its profile high and to attract sponsors. And that is, you know, the one thing every big tournament really needs to have. If you look at all the successful tournaments out there, they've all got great commentary on site which attracts people attracts sponsors and keeps it going so this is certainly something the british championship needs to take a lot more serious in future all right what's on the radar for you uh, guys coming up you're playing barcelona playing barcelona yeah that'll be fun and then i've got the isle of man which i am playing as well yeah. believe it or not <laughs> so got two more big tournaments coming up and i've got bundesliga in october cool. so. you're, you're a glutton for punishment loz i am mate <laughs> What about you, sir? I'm giving up chess now, mate. I'm just rubbish at it. That's me done. <laughs> no. Like Loz, I'm uh, well. I'm commentating the Isle of Man with Fiona, so doing that and just going to concentrate on YouTube. And uh, obviously, I just gave Loz an invite because he might be playing in the first uh, Ginger GM tournament as well. So there's there's quite a lot of things going on, but not so much playing at the moment. Did you do any vlogging? Did you do any recording from? Do you know what? I didn't know. Did you lose? We were good. It was after we were having such a miserable tournament, mm. and my place was actually really far away. I booked my place so silly. But after the last round, I was like, right, I'm going to do some recordings, right? You would be allowed to bring the recorder to the to the venue. I yeah, think. I know, but a... most days it was just you know raining like crazy, and I you know I wasn't bringing much anyway. So after the last round, I was like, right, I'm going to speak to Gawain, speak to David. Everybody just disappeared. Yeah. Disappeared? Disappeared. <laughs> Except for us, you, you found a pub. We were, we, me, you, and Lee Bullock were the last ones there, and that says a lot. That sums up our tournament. That sums up our life at the bridge. When you're, when you're left in a pub with Lee Bullock... <laughs> With his Hawaiian oh, shirt. Oh, Lee's, Lee's and, a character. We and, love him, really. You know, camouflage shorts. Him. Kind of. <laughs> You've shipped a million ELO oh, no. points. Um, yeah, no, nah, we but love I mean, Lee, really. It's the same as you, Loz. I mean, when it goes to doing video things, I, I was actually finding, you know, it's a great idea in advance, but I haven't played a tournament for ages. And in Dundee and here, I was doing like two, out, two three hours prep in the morning. Yeah. And then, you you know, you try to, you've got to eat. You've got to do a bit of like maybe exercise. So you have no time in the morning when you're playing. And if you're playing crap, the last thing you want to do after the game is talk. You, you want to escape. You don't want to like go around recording. And 
it's very hard when you're a player, I think, to to do journalism as well. I mean, it's something I sort of realised at these two events. It's a lot easier when you're commentating, but not so easy when you're playing. Yeah, it's true. So I, I did have the plan to do it, but actually I did speak to Gawain via social media and he said he'd be more than happy to come on the show and talk about the tournament, or David as well, even Luke would. So I've got all their details. I'm sure we can organise something. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, let's 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 do another pod very very soon, very very soon. Yeah, and we can talk about Kasparov and Co. In yeah, St. definitely. Lewis. All right, guys, been a pleasure. Certainly has. Take yeah. care, buddy. All right, catch you Bye. later. See you later. Bye. Bye.